Welcome to the Faith Podcast. Thank you for tuning in today. I'm Pastor Carrick Butler II. We believe today's message will empower you to make Jesus famous in every area of your life. Here's today's message. Amen. Say, I take eyes to see. I take ears to hear. I forgive everybody of everything. I receive supernatural debt cancellation. The word of God that I'm about to receive will enable me and empower me to make Jesus famous in my everyday life. You may be seated. Open your Bibles with me to Deuteronomy chapter 29, verse 29. Deuteronomy chapter 29, verse 29. Start some things tonight and continue it on Sunday. Deuteronomy chapter 29, verse 29. One of the things we've said over the course of this year that Deuteronomy, of course, means the second giving of the law. And so Deuteronomy is composed mainly of two last messages Moses gives to the children of Israel before he departs the earth and before the children of Israel go into the promised land. And so you're nearing the end of Moses' last message to the people. And you have this interesting verse in chapter 29, verse 29. It says, The secret things belong unto the Lord our God, but those things which are revealed belong unto us and to our children forever, that we may do all the words of this law. Now, when I've been looking at the first five books of the Bible, the Pentateuch, in different translations, I believe it's the message version or another version that calls the law the revelation. The revelation is the revealing. God reveals to them how they are to live in order to walk in the blessing. Now, the thing is about revelation, it doesn't mean something's new. It just means you haven't seen it before. So all of these things, when you look in the book of Genesis, this is before the law is given. The law doesn't come until Exodus. But you see them doing things that the law tells you to do later. You see, for one example, Abraham tithing in Genesis 14. Now, tithe does not institute under the law till later on in the Pentateuch. Now, you see them offering sacrifices. You don't see that again until the law. Now, when you look at Cain and Abel and even Adam and their descendants, you see they offer some things and they don't offer other things. You even see them call some animals clean and other animals unclean. You might say, but how do they know since they didn't have the law? There was already revelation that was in their hearts. When the law came, it revealed more things. So you have to understand that revelation is progressive. Say revelation Revelation. is is progressive. So what you have to understand is every revelation builds on the preceding revelation. And so Moses is saying here, the secret things belong unto the Lord our God, but those things which are revealed, the word revealed means uncovered, Belong unto us and to our children forever, that we may do all the words of this law. So Moses said, it's our responsibility to do the things which God has uncovered. So he says, before I go, remember, do the things that God has uncovered for you. Do the things that God has revealed. Now go to Proverbs 25, verse 2. Because we can stop just right there. It says, yep, it's our responsibility to do the things that are uncovered. It's our responsibility to do the things that are revealed. But what about some things I need to know in my everyday life that are still hidden to me? Some things that are still covered up. Proverbs 25 verse 2 says, It is the glory of God to conceal a thing. And you stop right there. It's like, well, that's fun, God. 
It's your glory, it's your majesty to hide things. But the honor of kings is to search out a matter. And we know the book of Revelation tells us that Jesus came to make us kings and priests unto God. So one of the things you have to have understanding when you look at the scripture, yes, Revelation is progressive, but things aren't hidden from you. They're hidden for you. Things in this scripture are not hidden from you. They're hidden for you. Things that you need to know in your everyday life aren't hidden from you. They're hidden for you. Say, God has hidden things for me. Go to Matthew chapter 13. Imagine, if you would, a treasure map from those old pirates movies and pirate stories. They hide a treasure in a certain place so others can't get to it, but the right people can. And the only people who can get to what is hidden are the ones who have the map. And that's how things in the kingdom of God operate. There are things that are hidden for you. Things that have been hidden since before the world began. But God hid them for you, and it is your glory to search these things out or to find out these things. So just because it's hidden doesn't mean it's supposed to stay hidden. Just because it's hidden, it doesn't mean it's supposed to stay hidden. So Matthew 13, Jesus tells the parable of the sower, the same one we see in Mark chapter 4. And the disciples came and said unto him, why speakest thou unto them in parables? Why are you telling these, these things and they don't get it? So Jesus gets up, tells a parable, and tells everybody to go home. You might think he did not explain anything. And so they go up to Jesus and say, hey, why are you just saying things in secret talk and coded language that no one gets? He answered and says, because it is given unto you to know the mysteries or the secrets or the divine plans and purposes of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it is not given. So there are some people that will get access to this revelation, and there are some people who won't. What does Jesus say next? For whosoever has to him shall be given, and he shall have more abundance. But whosoever has not, from him shall be taken away even that he hath. When you look in context and in this parable and other translations, Jesus is talking about those who have ears to hear. That's why we begin our experience saying, I take eyes to see, I take ears to hear. Because Jesus, if you have ears to hear, you'll receive more. More what? Revelation. But if you do not have ears to hear, you'll lose whatever revelation you already have. So you can have revelation one day and then close your ears and say, God, I don't hear nothing else. I don't want nothing more of this faith stuff. I don't want no more. And you lose what you ever had in the first place. It's not like I got revelation, I keep it for the rest of my life. No. You have to have ears to hear continually, consistently. So Jesus, therefore, I speak to them in parables because they seen, see not, and hearing, they hear not, neither do they understand. And in them is fulfilled the prophecy Isaiah, which says, By hearing you shall hear, shall not understand, and seeing you shall see, and shall not perceive. For this people's heart is waxed gross, and the ears are dull of hearing, and their eyes they have closed. So notice, it's not God who closed their eyes, it's not God who covered their ears, it's not God who made their heart hard. They did it themselves. So Jesus is not going to come up to the blind and spiritually deaf and the hard-hearted and give the mysteries of the kingdom of God. 
He's going to say it in a secret. But those who have ears to hear, those who have eyes to see, those who have open hearts will receive. Because he says, listen, any time, any time, they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears and should understand with their heart and should be converted, and I should heal them. Anytime. Anytime they would open their heart. Anytime they'd open their ears. Anytime they'd open their eyes, they could receive. So he skipped down to verse 34. All these things spake Jesus unto the multitude in parables. And without a parable spake he not unto them. That it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the prophet, saying, I will open my mouth in parables and will utter things which have been kept secret from the foundation of the world. Then Jesus sent the multitude away and went into the house. And his disciples came unto him, saying, Declare unto us the parable of the tares in the field. So although for one group it's hidden, but that doesn't mean it's supposed to stay hidden. The disciples can say, well, Jesus told it in a parable, so that's just how it has to be. They went up to Jesus and said, hey, tell us what you really meant. They could have stopped and said, well, that's good. You see that in the gospel. Sometimes they're afraid to ask him a question. They didn't want to say anything. But you see here they're going, what do you really mean? So you see them seeking revelation. You see them seeking for something to be uncovered. Yeah, the secret things belong to you, but we want them to be revealed. We want them to be uncovered so we can live it. Because Jesus is telling them how the kingdom of God works and how you can get it work on this earth. Now, this is not new things. This has already been there since the foundation of the world, but no one knew it. But the thing is, you'll see through the Old Testament, people will stumble into things. And you'll see some success. But they'll stumble out because they don't know what worked. It's the same way with people when they're getting the revelation of how to be baptized in the Holy Ghost. They remember somebody was at the altar, they cried, and they got filled with the Holy Ghost. So if I want to get filled with the Holy Ghost, I need to go to the altar and cry at that same spot. Memorialize the spot where those tears hit the altar. Maybe if I get some of those tears myself, I'll get baptized with the Holy Ghost. The whole concept of the mourner's bench, what is that? It's evolution of what someone receives somewhere. So we got to do the same thing if we want to keep receiving. But the thing is, it's not in what they did. It was in faith. So the person may have been crying. They may have been weeping and boohooing, but it wasn't the weeping and the crying and the boohooing that got them filled. Sometime in between the weeping and the crying and the boohooing, they got into faith, grabbed onto grace, and they're filled. But they can't tell anybody what they did because they stumbled into faith. It's not hidden from you, it's hidden for you. So there's a lot of things people stumble into. Even the world stumbles into spiritual truths. You see people in the world operating sowing and reaping. You see people in the world operating the law of confession. They stumbled into it. Some of them realize, oh, this works, let me keep doing it. Go to Daniel chapter 2. God has hidden things for you. And just because it's hidden doesn't mean it's supposed to stay hidden. Because God gets more joy out of revealing than he does in hiding. Because it's not like he's consistently, continually hiding things. These things were hidden and wrapped in a mystery, as Paul would say, before the foundation of the world. So it's already wrapped there. Think about if someone wraps you a present. You can look at that present and go, oh, I wonder what's inside. Oh, I wonder what's inside. It has your name on it. It belongs to you. And you go, oh, what's inside? Instead of wondering what's inside, go open it. Daniel chapter 2, verse 1. 
And in the second year of the reign of Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuchadnezzar dreamed dreams, or with the spirit was troubled and his sleep broke from him. Then the king commanded to call the magicians and the astrologers and the sorcerers and the Chaldeans for to show the king his dreams. So they came to stood before the king, and the king said unto them, I have dreamed a dream, and my spirit was troubled to know the dream. Then spake the Chaldeans to the king in Syriac, O king, live forever. Tell your servants the dream, and we'll show you the interpretation. The king answered and said to the Chaldeans, The thing is gone from me. I don't remember it. If you will not make known unto me the dream with interpretation thereof, I'm going to cut you in pieces. And your house shall be made a dunghill. But if you shall show me the dream and the interpretation thereof, you shall receive of me gifts and rewards and great honor. Therefore, show me the dream and the interpretation thereof. They answered again and said, well, let the king tell his servants the dream and we'll show the interpretation of it. The king answered said, I know a certain that you would gain the time because you see the thing is gone from me. But if you will not make known unto me the dream, there is but one decree for you. For you have prepared lying and corrupt words to speak before me to the time be changed. Therefore, tell me the dream. And I shall know that you can tell me the interpretation thereof. The Chaldeans answered before the king and said, There is not a man upon the earth that can show the king's matter. Therefore, the king, therefore there is no king, lord, nor ruler that has asked such things of any magician or astrologer or Chaldean. And it is a rare thing that the king requires. And there is none other that can show it before the king except the gods whose dwelling is not with flesh. For this cause, the king was angry and very furious and commanded to destroy all the wise men of Babylon. And the decree went forth that wise men should be slain, and they sought Daniel and his fellows to be slain. Then Daniel answered with counsel and wisdom to Arioch, the captain of the king's guard, which was gone forth to slay the wise men, slay the wise men of Babylon. He answered and said to Arioch, the king's captain, why is the decree so hasty from the king? Then Arioch made the thing known to Daniel. Then Daniel went in and desired of the king that he would give him time and that he would show the king the interpretation. Then Daniel went to his house and made the thing known to Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, his companions, that they would desire mercies, or they're going to pray for mercies from the God of heaven concerning this secret, that Daniel and his fellows should not perish with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. Then was the secret revealed unto Daniel in a night vision. Then Daniel blessed the God of heaven. Daniel answered and said, Blessed be the name of God forever and ever, for wisdom and might are his. And he changes the times and the season. He removes kings and sets up kings. He gives wisdom unto the wise and knowledge to them that know understanding. He reveals the deep and secret things. He knows what is in the darkness, and the light dwells with him. I thank thee and praise thee, O thou God of my fathers, who has given me wisdom and might, has made known unto me now what we desired of thee. For thou hast made known unto us the king's matter. Therefore Daniel went unto Arioch, whom the king had ordained to destroy the wise men of Babylon. He went and said thus unto him, Destroy not the wise men of Babylon. Bring me in before the king, and I will show unto you the king the interpretation. Then Arioch brought Daniel in before the king in haste and said thus unto him, I found a man of the captives of Judah that will make known unto you the king the interpretation. The king answered and said to Daniel, whose name was Belteshazzar, Are you able to make known to me the dream which I've seen in the interpretation thereof? Daniel answered in the presence of the king and said, The secret which the king has demanded cannot the wise men, the astrologers, the magicians, the soothsayers show unto the king. But there is a God in heaven that reveals secrets and makes known to the king Nebuchadnezzar what shall be in the latter days. Thy dream and the visions on your head or upon your bed are these. So he tells the king, here's what you dreamed. So have you ever had a dream and you forgot what you dreamed? And you're like, oh, man, I wish I could remember. This is what happened to the king. He had this dream. He knew it was important. And he woke up. I don't remember the dream. So he has all these people on his payroll, all these magicians, all these soothsayers, all these dream interpreters, all these astrologers. 
hey, out of all y'all, tell me what I dream and the interpretation, and I'll pay you. And they said, well, tell us a dream, and we'll interpret it for you. I don't remember it, so you tell me what I dream. Y'all, you remember, King, and tell us, and then we'll give you the interpretation. He's like, you're trying to buy more time. You're all fake. You know what? There's only one decree. I'm going to kill you all and make your houses toilets. Wow. So not only am I going to kill you, it doesn't matter where your family's living, they're now going to live in a toilet. I'm going to burn down the house. So he sends a guard to kill everybody, and Daniel sees the guard come, oh, whoa, whoa, put that sword away, dude, what's going on? And he tells him, and he says, let me get some more time from the king. The king agrees to give him more time. And Daniel takes his three friends, and they go, and they pray. It says, desire mercy. And they're asking God for mercy. What are they asking? God, reveal unto us what this crazy man dreamed, and tell us what it means. And they go to sleep. Now, you got to know, you have some type of faith if the king says, I'm going to kill you, and you go to sleep anyways. So in the night, God reveals to him what happened, and Daniel goes, hey, don't kill nobody. Here's what happened. And what happens, you see in verse 47, the king answered unto Daniel and said, of a truth it is that your God is a God of gods, a Lord of kings, and a revealer of secrets, seeing you can reveal this secret. What I want you to understand from this passage, God is a revealer. That's who he is. That's his nature. He wants to reveal things. But notice it just wasn't revealed by itself. It took four men of faith to go before God and ask. There had to be people who wanted to know what was hidden. If there's no one that wants to know what's hidden, it will not be uncovered. It took four people to go in faith and ask God, What in the world is going on? Because by his nature, he is a revealer. But if no one asks, it will remain covered. So you got to think of all these things we experience now in 2018. Whether you're thinking about flight, you're thinking about cars, whether you're thinking about Wi-Fi, you're thinking about electricity. Whatever you're thinking about, all these things were available in the Garden of Eden. At any time, if people had the materials, they could have built planes, they could have built cars, they could have put Wi-Fi connection in the Garden of Eden, they could have put signs around the tree, nope, don't you go test this fruit, it could have been flashing in neon. They could have done that if they had the materials. Why? The knowledge was already there. No one had tapped into it. So there are things that are ahead of us, innovations that are ahead of us, that is open if the believers grab onto it. Because you have to think, why do the world lead in innovation? Because if they create something, whether it's good or not, if it's a good innovation, they're not saved or they're not mature in the world. So it's going to take whatever wickedness they have in their life and go through their innovation. Fifteen years ago, you could have never told people that there's going to be this thing called Facebook, and it's going to change the world. It's going to be so intense, the creator of it is going to have to go before the U.S. Congress and the European Parliament. No one would have believed you. But now, because one man has his idea in college, it changes everything. It affects national elections. One idea. That was available before. 
What if the church began to look for innovation that way? And get before God, all right, God, I need you to reveal what is next. And went after it the same way. These things aren't hidden from you. They're hidden for you. There had to be an acceleration of technology for God to get the gospel out around the world the way it should be. Because you read through the book of Daniel, near the end of the book, it says, at the time of the end, knowledge shall increase. People will keep going from to and fro, to and fro. That's how our lives are. We're consistently running to and fro. Knowledge has increased. We receive more information in one day than our great-grandparents did their entire lifetime. We're bombarded with information. They call it the age of information. But all of these things weren't just supposed to be a surprise. See, what happens is the church catches on to things sometimes on the back end. When you look at when television first came out, you know, holiness people, Pentecostals, bless their heart, all the hell of vision. Don't you watch that TV. Evil from hell. They're preaching against it. But there's this dude named Oral Roberts saying, well, why don't I put the gospel on TV? But he couldn't find no Christian who knew what to do. So he went to Hollywood and hired Hollywood people. So the church, ah, oh, that Hollywood preacher. Well, they're the only people who knew how to do it. So he got on TV and changed the world. Because someone saw something coming. So when you look at different things, because when I started studying out the past century, when they're trying to come up with the rules and for the broadcast and TV, they reached out to the churches. What should we do? And the churches didn't want anything to do with it. But what if we were on the cutting edge and whatever innovation comes out, the gospel goes forth because we're on top of it instead of playing on the back end. So now you have these companies that, unless they've gotten saved, they're led by unbelievers. They may be nice people. But one of the things they're doing, they're smart enough to call the churches and say, hey, here's how you can use our platform to do what you do. Now, that's good, but what if we created the platform? They may be a secret to you, but it's not to God. And he is a revealer. And he would rather reveal it to his people than reveal it to the heathen. But if he has to reveal it to the heathen, that means his people weren't listening. One of the things that I realize about the Wright brothers, they're PKs. The ones who brought flight to this other level. They come from a family ministry. So who better to give the secrets of flight to than those whose family have been faithful to get the gospel of Jesus out? Because now he can get the gospel all around the world. Think about if Paul had a plane. How much more could he have done? So whatever is to come is not supposed to be hidden from you. It's hidden for you. And your God is a God who is a revealer of secrets. To the point that we shouldn't always be surprised when new trends come out. We should get to a place where we're prepared. How do we capitalize on it? God gives you a warning. The economy's going down. Well, what do I need to do to prepare? Not just so me and my family okay, but what do I need to buy when the economy goes down? What do I need to invest in so when it comes back up, I got some money? It's getting before God and finding out what is to come. 
Because what did Jesus say about the Holy Ghost? He will show you things to come. He didn't say spiritual things. He said he will show you things. But we have to get before God long enough to get to a place where we see these things. But not just see it, but now have the how, what should we do with it? Because a lot of times we'll tap in and see, oh, something's coming. But we don't know what we're supposed to do with it. So when he gets here, he says, oh, yeah, God no, told me it was coming. But what did you do with that information ahead of time? See, the Holy Ghost can give you insider information that you can't get arrested for. Anyone else gives insider information, you get arrested and sent to jail. The Holy Ghost can tell you things, and you can profit. They go, well, who told you? Jesus. Uh, can't mess with him. There was, I think it was in Haiti, something happened. There was a tree that witches and warlocks used to catch curses. And one man of God went up to it and cursed it. And it dried up and died. So the witches and warlocks got upset, went and had that guy arrested. And so the judge said, well, what did he do? Did he knock the tree over? No, he spoke to it. He said, I ain't messing with that dude. Get him out of my jail. God is a revealer. That is a part of who he is. Daniel chapter 4, verse 1. Once again, Nebuchadnezzar, the king, he's writing to all the people, nations, languages that dwell in all the earth. Peace be multiplied unto you. I thought it good to show the signs and wonders that the high God has wrought toward me. How great are his signs, how mighty are his wonders. His kingdom is an everlasting kingdom. His dominion is from generation to generation. Nebuchadnezzar is not a saint. He is a wicked and crazy king. Yet God said, my anointed. If when God has to anoint the heathen, that means the church didn't do its job. So he anointed him. So now he get Nebuchadnezzar writing a letter to everybody in his kingdom, all of his underrulers. And how does he open the letter? Praising God. Telling people he is the real God. He said, I saw a dream which made me afraid. This is another dream. God deals with leaders and kings in dreams. You need to pray that God gives leaders dreams. Because the thing is, people can block people from receiving certain information. They can't block a king or a president or prime minister from dreaming. They can't get us to know that dream is not allowed in. Therefore made I a decree to bring all the wise men of Babylon before me, that they may make known unto me the interpretation of the dream. Then came in the magicians, the astrologers, and the Chaldeans, and the soothsayers, and I told them the dream before them. So this is another dream, not the one we already read about. But they did not make known unto me the interpretation thereof. But at the last came in, Daniel came in before me, whose name was Belteshazzar, according to the name of my God, whom is the spirit of the holy gods. And before him I told the dream, saying, O Belteshazzar, master of the magicians, because I know that the spirit of the holy gods is in you, and no secret troubles you, tell me the visions of my dream that I have seen and the interpretation thereof. So he starts by praising God, but his theology ain't right. All he knows, this is God that's got this holy spirit who's going to tell me whatever's going on. So he calls them in. And he says, here's what I dream. And Daniel tells him the dream. He says, I wish the dream was about somebody else, not about you. But here's what God said. Here's how you can avoid what's coming. Here's what's going to happen if you don't avoid it. And everything he said came to pass. But notice Daniel is known as a person whose secrets and mysteries don't trouble him. Now, the king made for decree. All the people came. They didn't know. And the king is confused. What's going on? Then Daniel walks in. And the king gets excited. Oh, thank God. 
whichever one of them there are, that sent you in. What's going on? And he gives them the interpretation, which lets you know secrets aren't supposed to remain secret. There are supposed to be people who get in and on God's secrets. Amos 3.7 says, Surely the Lord God will do nothing, but he reveals his secret unto his servants, the prophets. So yet we already see one group of people God tells secrets to, those who stand in the office of the prophet, his ministry gifts. So a prophet's office should be marked by revelation. The ministry gifts should be marked by revelation. But you say, well, pastor, I ain't a prophet. Well, there's still good news for you because Psalm 25.14 says, The secret of the Lord is with them that fear him or reverence him. And he will show them his covenant. So if you're a person that reverences God in your daily life, God, you're in a position for God to give you secrets. Proverbs 3.32 says, For the forward is an abomination to the Lord, but his secret is with the righteous. More good news. You're the righteous God in Christ Jesus, so you're set up to receive secrets from God. But John 15, 15, Jesus says, Henceforth I call you not servants, for the servant knows not what his Lord does. But I have called you friends, for all things that I have heard of my Father I have made known unto you. So everything that was a secret between me and my Father, I told you. So the righteous, those that reverence God, and those that are God's friends. You can be a friend of God. You can be saved and not be a friend of God. But you can be saved and be a friend of God. God tells his friends secrets. Just like you would tell your friends stuff that you tell no one else. God does the same thing. Do we see that in the Bible? Yeah, in the Old Testament. God came to Abraham to talk to him about one thing, and he looked at the others around him and said, should I hide this thing from Abraham? It had nothing to do with Abraham. But the Bible says Abraham was the friend of God. So God came to Abram's house to hang out and have a meal and told him, hey, by the way, before I leave, Sodom and Gomorrah are about to get it. But it concerned Abraham because his nephew lived there. And he said, oh, God of all the earth, won't you do right? If there's 50 righteous people between the two mega cities and metro areas of Sodom and Gomorrah, will you spare it? For 50, I will. Now, why would he spare it? Because there's 50 righteous? No, because somebody asked. So Abraham's saying 50 righteous people ain't asking, but I'm going to ask on their behalf. So Abraham's like, well, 50 may be too high in these two very large cities. So let me keep working it down, and it gets to 10. There has to be 10 righteous people in these two large metro areas. Because you study out, it's not just Sodom and Gomorrah, the smaller cities round about. So these are two large twin cities. So Abraham stops. Got to be 10 people. No, there was one. Lot. Lot was righteous. His kids, because, you know, when he studied out, his, kid, his daughters were married, but they're still virgins. When he went to talk to his sons-in-law, they're like, oh, you're crazy. So all the only one righteous person lived in the whole metro area. It's Lot. But because of Lot's righteousness and Abraham's intercession... The angel said, God will not let judgment come till you get out of here. 
He didn't say to his kids, get out of here. He didn't say to your wife, get out, till you get out. Because you live right, the rest of them get out too. Even the sons-in-law who were wicked would have gotten out if they went with him. See, it pays to stay around with righteous people. You with the right person, you miss out on judgment that belonged to you, but because you were connected to the right person, it missed you. It was for you, but ooh, I was in the right place at the right time. Thank you, Jesus. I'm so glad I was at church that day, not in the club, because if I was in the club, that, that, all that stuff happened, but I was with the right people. But how did Abraham get that information? He was God's friend. We have to develop a friendship with God. There's many different variations to our relationship with God. Yes, he's our father. Yes, he's our king. Yes, he's our Lord and master, but we have to develop. Oh, he's my friend. Got to talk to him like he's my friend. Because when you develop a friendship with God, he'll tell you things. He'll let you know things. One of the things I remember Dad Hagen saying, and I picked this up in my own life. I said, this is kind of God. He gave Dad Hagen that deal. I want that same deal too. Dad Hagen said that no major thing is going to happen in my family without me knowing about it first. Whether it's my extended family, my brothers, sisters, whoever, there's no one that's going to go home unless I know first. All right, friend of God. You used to do the same thing. Like, you know what? I'm going to be close to God. No, it ain't happening in my family unless I know about it first. God is a revealer. That's who he is. He's looking for people he can reveal things to. He's not walking around trying to hide things. He's looking for people. Who can I tell? God wants to tell people stuff. People say, oh, I don't hear God speaking. No, he's speaking. Are you listening? God wants to tell people tons of things. Just people just don't listen. Or they limit God. God, you can only talk to me about spiritual things. You can only talk to me about this subject. You can't tell me about the rest because, God, you don't do that. And so you limit what God can reveal. You limit what God can teach you. It says in Isaiah, he teaches you how to profit. But we limit what God can do. So, well, the only way he can bless me, someone comes up and hands me money. God may want you to prosper in the stock market, but you don't know how to listen to him. God may want to prosper you on your job, but if you don't listen to him on your job, you're not going to get that information. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 14. God is a revealer of secrets. He wants to uncover things. But you're just not automatically going to get the information just because you're saved. You may get a few things, but for the things that you need to know, that doesn't automatically just happen. Well, I'm just going to live and find out. Well, because I get older, I'm going to know a lot more about God. No. Young fools are bad. Old fools are worse. <laughs> First Corinthians 14, verse 1. Follow after love and desire spiritual gifts, but rather that you may prophesy. For he that speaks in an unknown tongue speaks not unto men, but unto God, for no man understands him. Howbeit in the spirit he speaks mysteries, divine secrets, plans, and purposes, what that word means. 
But he that prophesies speaks unto men for edification, exhortation, and comfort. He that speaks in an unknown tongue edifies or builds himself, but he that prophesies builds or edifies the church. Verse 13, wherefore, let him that speak in an unknown tongue pray that he may interpret. So if you pray in tongues, you should pray that you interpret what you pray. For if I pray in an unknown tongue, my spirit prayeth, but my understanding, my mind is unfruitful. I don't know what I just prayed. What is it then? I will pray with the Spirit, and I'll pray with the understanding also. I will sing with the Spirit, or sing in other tongues, and I will sing with the understanding, or my natural language also. Else when you shall bless with the Spirit, how shall he that occupies the room of the unlearned say, Amen, if I give him a thanks, seeing he understands not what you say? For verily, give, you give thanks well, but the others not edify. You can get before Thanksgiving meal, and you can look at that food and start speaking in tongues and praying tongues over it, and oh, you're just so grateful. God said, you did a good job giving thanks, but everyone else in your family is looking at you crazy. What did you say? They're the unlearned. They don't know what it is. So one of the things you have to understand about speaking with other tongues and interpreting those tongues, there's a number of times when you're praying in the Holy Ghost, you're just praising God. Or as you see in Acts 2, you're magnifying God. What happens when you magnify something? It looks bigger in your eyes. It didn't change its shape or size. It just looks bigger to you because you have a magnifier. So some there are times when you're praying in the Holy Ghost, you're magnifying God, and God is looking bigger to you. And as he looks bigger to you, he's giving strength to your spirit because no matter what I'm facing, God is bigger, and I can handle it. So there are times you're just praying in the Holy Ghost, and you're just praising and worshiping God. Giving him all the glory, honor, and praise. Well, there's other times where you're praying divine secrets, plans, and purposes. Most of us don't get to that because we don't spend long enough praying. Paul says here in verse 18, I thank my God I speak with tongues more than you all. The Amplified Classic Edition says, I pray in tongues more than all you of the church of Corinth put together. And this was a church that believed in speaking in tongues. And Paul said, in my daily life, I outpray all of y'all. That's how he got mysteries, divine secrets, plans, and purposes. That's how he wrote those two-thirds in the New Testament. He prayed out those mysteries. He prayed out those divine secrets. You read about what he said in Galatians. He says, I didn't go up to the city with the wisdom of man. I went up by revelation. I went up by what God revealed unto me. So instead of being an echo, he's a voice. It's easy for you to copy what someone else said. But it's different when the Holy Ghost says it through you. He went up by revelation, full of the Holy Ghost, praying in the Holy Ghost. One of the ways we search out things that are hidden is by praying in the Holy Ghost. One of the reasons we do not access hidden things we need is because we do not pray long enough or often enough. Because there are times you'll start praying in the Holy Ghost by yourself and you feel nothing. Anybody been there before? Just praying. Nothing. Nothing. God, is anything happening? You may even feel worse for a moment. Like, really? feels like I went less spiritual because I prayed. Your flesh is saying, nothing's working, nothing's working, nothing's working, nothing's working, nothing's working. And he just quit. I didn't pray. I prayed. Nothing happened. God, I did what you said. You didn't stick long enough because you keep, you can pray past that. And one of the first things you run into is a realm of peace. Now, I encourage you, don't pass the flesh level and get into peace while you're laying down. 
because you're going to go to sleep. Well, pastor, how did you discover that? Well, at ORU, we had a prayer tower. And one of the things, they had different rules. You got to think, well, what rules do you give Pentecostal youth who go there to pray? One was no sleeping. Like, well, why do you think? So they had this beautiful, anointed music playing. And so you get in praying. Man, you pray into peace. Ooh, the peace of God. Whoa, whoa, whoa. What happened, Jesus? Why? You ran into the peace of God. But that's still not the end all. You just crossed over from your flesh into peace. But if you stick with it long enough, as you keep going through realms of the Spirit, you'll run into more things. There'll be times you stick with it long enough, you run into the unction of the Spirit, a gusher. So now it's been all this work for me to get over here, but now I'm over here. Oh, the Holy Ghost is flung, it's moving. And it's not because you had a certain song in the background. It's because you had your faith connected with your praying and faith connected with your obedience. And you get to this place and you keep praying it out. You keep praying it out. What happens, you're now in the Spirit. And you will lose track of time. Because when you're in the flesh, you're conscious of every second you've been praying. You look at that clock and says, look, I know it's been longer than a minute. This is the longest minute of my life. It felt like I've been praying for an hour, yet it hasn't even hit a minute yet. But when you get over in the spirit and connect with that unction, you're going to start losing track of time. As you're praying out in the Holy Ghost. Divine secrets, plans, and purposes. And then you pray that you may interpret. doesn't mean you get the interpretation at that moment. There are times you'll interpret, you'll just start praying the Holy Ghost, and then you start praising God. Oh, that was such a beautiful song. That's just a beautiful praise. I didn't even think of that in my mind. Where did that come from? Your spirit. You just interpreted what you prayed. And one of the things you'll realize as you're praying in the Holy Ghost, especially when you've crossed over into the realm, you're working on things. And there's some things that are prayer projects that take time. Prayer is not just talking with God and communicating with God. It's also God working through you. And as he works through you, he's working on things or changing things. God can give you a prayer project, especially if you're a person who's given to prayer. He'll tell you, I want you to pray about these things, and it makes no sense. Phil Haverson, a man of God, mentored Dad Hagen some things. They called him like a prince of prayer. I said, for months, weeks at least, he was praying for candy and a cookie. He was so confused. The Holy Ghost said, pray for candy and cookie. So he just praying in the Holy Ghost, candy, cookie. Then praying in the Holy Ghost, candy. He's so confused. Dad Hagen comes by his house and says, I just want to talk to you about something the Lord had me pray about and see if it makes sense to you. I've been praying months for a, a piece of candy and a cookie. And Dad Hagen laughed. He says, that's the nicknames for my granddaughters. He didn't know that, but he got over in the Holy Ghost, and he began to pray out some things. And when you pray out some things, you'll see different evidences. God will let you know, man, your prayer worked. I remember a few elections back, I was praying about something, and it's got in my heart to pray out that things that were secret would be revealed. And so I prayed that out, didn't think anything of it. I don't know if it was at the gym or later, or saw it on Twitter. It just so happened that hidden tapes number of years ago, just showed up on both sides. So it wasn't like one side, both evidence came on both sides. I'm like, Ooh, see, look, that's what the Holy Ghost wanted to pray out. But it takes people not just praying, but getting over in the Spirit and letting the Holy Ghost work through them. It's not the tearing where there's power. 
is those who take enough time and let the Holy Ghost work with them and work through them. The intercession of Jesus, as you see in the Scripture, has nothing to do with us. But the intercession of the Spirit comes from within us. So if we don't give the Holy Ghost an outlet, his intercession won't go forth. And you don't just start off, well, I'm interceding right now. Let me intercede. Now, you can intercede from a level in the natural, from your understanding. But really, the intercession that's going to really move some stuff along, you got to be in the Spirit. That means you got to take enough time there. Enough time before God and pray in the Holy Ghost about it. And just yield yourself and pray in the Holy Ghost. Now, depending on your life schedule, that might not be something you can do every, all the time. But you do have time to do it. Well, when do I have time to do it? When you sleep. Now, pastor, I need sleep. I need sleep too. But it depends on what we're praying out. You know what? I'm going to take an hour and I'm going to pray in the Holy Ghost. Sir, i got to sleep at least this amount. I've done everything else I'm supposed to do. I've done my normal prayer responsibilities. I'm just going to yield myself for an hour and pray in the Holy Ghost. There will be different prayer projects. You're praying about this specific thing. Well, Father, this is where I have to stop tonight, but I'll pick it up tomorrow. And let the Holy Ghost keep working through you and working through you. You're praying out divine secrets, plans, and purposes. There'll be things he'll reveal to you. But that comes when you're in the Spirit. Because they'll tell you stuff that in your natural mind, that don't make sense. But when you get over in the Spirit, you're like, I got you. And just because he tells you something, doesn't mean you go tell everybody else. Because if you tell someone your secret and they told everybody else, you ain't telling them nothing else. There's some things God will tell you to tell others. But there's some things God will tell you so you can pray out and pray for people. God may tell you someone's business, but it doesn't mean you go up to them and tell them, ooh, Jesus told on you. No, you go before God. Father, I heard what you said about them. Grant them mercy. Grant them time to repent. I'm going to pray for them in the Holy Ghost. See, the word of knowledge will work in your prayer life. There are times, it happens now, it's happened throughout my life, I'll walk by someone, and I know exactly what just happened in their life. There's something, God, I do not want to know about that. I remember it happened to me in college one time. I walked by someone, and I heard him like, Jesus, I don't want to know that. You walk, the word of knowledge walk, so sometimes you hear what people are thinking. Oof. I did not ask for this information, Jesus. I'm not an X-Men. I'm not Jean Grey. I'm not Professor X. I didn't ask for this. But he'll tell you things for you to pray about. And when he gives you stuff, pray about it. You become a person, just a sensitive of the Spirit, he'll bring someone to your remembrance who you weren't even thinking about. And sometimes we think of people randomly because we see a movie, hear a song that connected to us them in our past. I'm not talking about that. I'm just talking about all of a sudden it comes up in your heart. You weren't thinking about them, haven't thought about the years. Nothing triggered your memory, but the Holy Ghost told you about them. Father, I don't know what's going on with them, but I lift them up to you. I pray that they're protected. I pray that they're safe, that you grant them wisdom and understanding. If you have time where you can spend some time praying the Holy Ghost, then what you do. But if not, you just offer this prayer of faith. Father, I ask that you help them today. God will give you secrets. He will trust you with secrets. But you have to take what he gives you and pray it out. Because he'll give you a piece here and a piece there, little by little, line upon line, precept upon precept. You've got to pray things out. So it means you don't always just do everything immediately. Well, God told me something. Well, make sure you got the whole plan. Like I heard one man of God tell a story of a missionary he knew that God said, I've called you to go minister in China. So he jumped up, 
sold everything he had and moved to China. Got on his knees once he got to China. Okay, God, what do you want me to do? He says, I called you to go, but not now. Go home. You got to get all of it, which means you got to stay before God. That means you have to build a habit of praying in the Holy Ghost. Now, there's some times where you can just pray in the Holy Ghost. There's no other distractions. But we live lives that are filled with stuff. So you train yourself to pray in the Holy Ghost throughout the day. I had gotten myself to such a place, especially I remember in Texas, in this grocery store, because I would do my grocery shopping on a certain day, that I'm going to have my music in my ears, and the whole time I'm shopping, I'm going to pray in the Holy Ghost. No one's going to call me. No one's going to mess with me. I'm just going to pray in the Holy Ghost. I'm not praying out loud. I'm not drawing attention to myself. I'm just praying under my breath, praying in the Spirit. And I didn't realize one time, I went, probably a couple years later, I walked into the building and started praying in the Holy Ghost. I didn't even think about praying in the Holy Ghost, but I had trained myself that as soon as I come through these doors, I'm going to pray. What did I do? I started building myself up. Could have prayed out divine secrets, plans, and purposes, but I'm just yielding myself to the Spirit of God. It's continually yielding myself to the Spirit of God. You get yourself in a place that, so one of the things I do now, so I'll go run a couple miles, or then I'm going to walk back. It's not going to be my cool down, but I'm praying the Holy Ghost. So if I already handled my normal prayer spot projects, I'm still walking, well, let me pray for this specific person. Let me pray for this counseling matter that's on my desk. Let me pray for this marriage. Let me pray for this. It's praying in the Holy Ghost. Praying in the Holy Ghost. Father, I lift them up to you. I don't know what else to say in English. I'm just talking to you about them in tongues. And you pray for them in the Holy Ghost. And you get spiritual business done. You start moving things in the Spirit. You see in 1 Corinthians 13 that tongues is also called the tongues of angels. So there'll be times you're praying in the Holy Ghost and your angels get instruction. But you don't automatically say, well, I'm going to pray out some instructions from some angels right now. That ain't going to happen. But if you avail yourself to the Holy Ghost, he can do those things through you. Because it's called the diversity of tongues, which means there's many different kinds of tongues. Not just dialects or language. Many different uses God has for it. There is a private use of tongues, and there is a public ministry of tongues. But God has given us this private language that we must make use of on a consistent and continual basis. Not to say, well, that's for some special prayer people. God's called us all to be prayer people. But the people who excel is because they give time to it. I remember listening from one of Sister Billy Brim's stories. And it might have been Rachel Tifatella who relayed that information to her that during Vietnam, there was someone from their local city that was captured. He was a prisoner of war. And these group of women got together and said, well, as long as the war goes on, as long as he's captive, we're going to meet every night from this time to this time, and we're going to pray. We'll handle still all of our normal responsibilities from this time to this time. We're going to pray for him. We're going to protect him in the spirit. And so they had pray for him in the Holy Ghost, pray in tongues. They would see how they would minister life to him while he's kept in this Viet Cong prison. And he was released, eventually came back home. And they said, hey, can you show us the journal you kept while you're there? And they matched it to the times they prayed and things that he was protected from because they prayed. You can get to a place in the spirit where God will take you around the world. That you're praying about stuff on a whole other side of the world. Walking in the Spirit, doing things in the supernatural. Walking into realms of the Spirit 
that you think, oh, that's only for certain people. No, it's for anybody who yields themselves. Handling things in the Spirit. You go through the New Testament, there's many different types of mysteries that God could have you pray about once you get over there praying in the Spirit. One of them is the mystery of Israel. You got to think, do you think the Jewish nation just came all of a sudden 30, 70 years ago? Or do you think God had some believers praying to the Holy Ghost about that before they knew it could even happen? The fact that they still exist. Sometimes people pray in the Holy Ghost, they're praying for Israel. But part of that mystery of Israel is them coming to the fullness of the knowledge of Jesus. So there's times you're praying for the fullness of what God has in store for Israel. There's times where you're praying, it's because of the mystery of iniquity. What is that? Holding back the Antichrist. Because Satan will want him to show up now. But if it's not on God's timetable, you pray, you hold back what he wants to do and the agenda. Because you understand in 1 John, it says spirits of Antichrist. So there is an Antichrist, but there are also little Antichrists that act like him. And spirits that go out to prepare the way like John the Baptist prepared the way for Jesus. But if you take your authority in prayer and begin to pray in the Holy Ghost, you'll hold back the Antichrist agenda in your community, in your neighborhood. This time you'll pray out the mystery of Christ in you, the hope of glory, the mystery of the church, mystery concerning the rapture, all these different things. The Holy Ghost will use you to pray things out. And you may have no idea, well, I don't know what that hour of prayer was for, but just take the answer by faith. Some things you won't know until you get to heaven, and you get this reward. God, what is that reward for? You remember when you took that time to pray in the Holy Ghost? I did this because you prayed. This person got saved because you prayed. They went out and preached, and a thousand people got saved. You get his reward and theirs because you're a prayer person. One of the things we think, well, preachers get rewards. Yeah, they do. They are going to get great rewards. But think about the people who pray for that preacher to be born. Think about the people who prayed and had that preacher protected from things that were supposed to happen to, his life, to her life. It's not just the preachers who get a reward. It's those who pray. I'll begin to close here. I remember I had this dream while I was in college. It was some type of ministry scandal going on in the nation, at least the church world, and a lot of church people were talking about it. And so in this dream, because at my job at ORU at that time was to hold different forums about hot topics and how do we address it from a kingdom perspective. And so I was there, and I'm walking this ministry couple into the room. And the purpose for that whole meeting was for us to pray for them. And everybody who came agreed we're going to pray for them. So we walked in. I said, well, it's time to pray. And no one wanted to pray. They just want to ask someone questions. Well, why don't you do what you taught us? They had all these questions they wanted to ask, and I couldn't get anyone to pray. And eventually, I forgot that we're supposed to pray. I left and did something else. And I woke up, and the Holy Ghost said, a lot of things where my church is concerned would be handled if my people would pray, but all they want to do is talk. And then I began to think back on the dream, how many of us get distracted from prayer assignments the Holy Ghost gave us. He told us to pray about it, something else happened, and we forget, and we let it go. So we may not be the ones who are doing the talking. We're the ones who are doing praying, but we didn't stick with it long enough. I remember there was a specific individual in government that the Lord told me to pray for one time. And so I prayed for him for a long time. And he'd come up my mouth every day, pray for him, but eventually I forgot. You know, a lot, I'm praying for all these people, doing all these things. And I remember I'm at the gym one time, and I see his name pop up on the screen. He had fallen into some type of scandal. I'm like, oh, my God, was I supposed to prevent that in prayer? There are some things that happen because we don't take our place in prayer. 
that if we yield ourselves in the Holy Ghost and let him pray through us, there are some things that won't happen. In our individual prayer life, we need to do that. But even corporate times of prayer, like we have coming up on June 8th, getting together for four hours and we're going to pray. Because your prayer life matters. 1 Corinthians 2, closing here, verse 6. How be it we speak wisdom among them that are perfect or mature, not the, yet not the wisdom of this world, nor of the princes of this world that come to naught. But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, even the hidden wisdom, which God ordained before the world unto our glory, which none of the princes of this world knew. For had they known that they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But as it is written, eye has not seen, nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for them that love him. But God has revealed them unto us by his Spirit. For the Spirit searches all things, yea, the deep things of God. For what man knows the things of man, save the spirit of man which is in him, Even so, the things of God knows no man but the Spirit of God. Now, we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God. So one of the reasons God gave you the Holy Ghost is for you to know what God already gave you. It's not like you're trying to get it from God that's already yours. But if you don't listen to the Holy Ghost and pray in the Holy Ghost, you won't understand things that are already yours. Which things also we speak, not in the words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Ghost teaches. Comparing spiritual things with spiritual. So if you want to get into what eye hasn't seen, what ear hasn't heard, what hasn't entered to the heart of man, if you want to get into the things that God has already given you, you have to take some time and pray in the Holy Ghost. Not just pray where your flesh is saying, you're stupid, this is not working. But you spend long enough to get over in the place called the Spirit and spend some time praying there, praying out some things so you can get some answers. To get some things uncovered in your life that you didn't know personally. You may have decisions come up like, I don't even know what to do about this. Well, Lord, he said, ask for wisdom. I ask, I receive. Now, what am I supposed to do now? Pray in the Holy Ghost. Well, I'm praying, Pastor, and it still feels dry. Well, begin to sing. So what do you mean? So begin to sing in the Spirit. Then he began to interpret, Father, you are so good. You've been so kind unto me, Lord. My hope and trust is in you. Then he's going to sing in the Spirit some more. You keep doing that. You don't get over from this place of the flesh, and now you begin to worship here in the Spirit. So you don't just do it in church. You do it at your house. And you can enter into the Spirit no matter what you're doing. You can be rocking a babe to sleep and be in the Spirit. I do it sometimes. I almost sleep. Keep praying in the Holy Ghost. Why are you connected? I hope you enjoyed today's message. We never want to close a broadcast without giving you an opportunity to make Jesus the Lord of your life. So if you've never asked him into your heart, you've never made him your Lord and Savior, pray this prayer with me today and mean it from your heart. Say, Heavenly Father, I believe that Jesus is your son. I believe that he died for me, but on the third day, you raised him from the dead. Dear Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Save me now. Forgive me of my sins. Fill me with your spirit and help me to live this Christian life. If you prayed that prayer and meant it from your heart, we believe you've been born again. We ask that you email us at info at FCCGA.com. That's FCCGA.com to let us know about the decision you've made for Christ today. Have an amazing day.